Well, Merry Christmas. It is the Christmas season. I love the Christmas season. I do. I love everything about Christmas. I love the atmosphere of Christmas, right? The, the spirit of Christmas. I love the giving of gifts. That's one of my favorite things. It's just to give gifts to people. I, I love everything about Christmas. I love the Christmas songs. I'm not even a musical person, and I love the Christmas songs. In fact, uh, my wife Amanda makes fun of me because I whistle Christmas songs all year round. I know, it's just awful. I mean, why? I mean, it's Christmas. I would love to have the Christmas spirit, the season of Christmas, all year round. I'd love to have that. But let's be honest. Life is not the season of Christmas, is it? It doesn't provide us with all of the things that Christmas is about, about the, the joy and the peace and the hope and the love and the light of Christmas, right? It's, just, it's not like that. In fact, the Christmas season itself can, can show us where we are lacking in the Christmas season, right? in the spirit of Christmas. And we think about, I just give you two words, right? I just give you two words about the Christmas season to show, show you what I mean. Black Friday. Yeah, Black Friday. Friday, the hostility that's there to buy gifts for other people, right? Trying to get something that you want so that you can give it to someone else. Like that, there's a hostility that's part of Black Friday, part of the Christmas season. And then what about just experiencing the Christmas season? It's not always happy and joyful and peace-giving and hopeful and loving for everyone, is it? It can be very de depressing. It can be very conflictive, right? Thinking about the family engagements that you have to, to go to and the obligations to give to gifts to people, maybe at work, that like, you don't even like, right? You have to do these types of things. It can, can be really hard. It can be conflictive. It can be depressing. It can actually do the opposite of uplifting your spirit, and it can be really hard and difficult. It can be very lonely for people. And so because the season can be so chaotic and it reveals how chaotic and hostile and conflictive life is, I thought maybe, maybe we need to use some words from this Christmas season that can be for us in every season of life. We want to take some of these words that we use at the Christmas time and use them all the time in our life. And that's, uh, that's, that's this whole message series I'm doing on these Christmas words. And I, the first word I want to talk about is peace. Peace, right? Right? Peace. I think that, that we need to have peace in this time of Christmas and that we need to have this peace that goes out into all the seasons of our life, wherever we're at, whatever, wherever we're experiencing in life, we need to have this peace. And when you think about the word peace, you hear the word peace, right? What are you thinking about? As a, if you're a parent, there's another word that goes with it, right? Peace and quiet. Yeah, right over there. Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You just want some peace and quiet, right? I just want people to get along. I don't want people to be with one another. I just want people to be quiet and keep the volume down so we can just relax and we can all get along and it'll feel really nice. Doesn't that sound good? How do we have a, a peace 
in all areas of our, of our lives? How do we bring in this peace? You know, this Christmas season is about the Prince of Peace. That's who Jesus has talked about in the Bible. He's the Prince of Peace, the ruler of peace. He's the one that rules peace and is the Prince of Peace that we could be people of peace and we can bring this peace that Jesus is the prince of into our life and those around us. But I think we need to have a good understanding what this peace is. It's not just peace and quiet. It's not just everybody doing what I think they should do. That would bring me peace, okay? If you just do what I tell you to do, we are good, right? No conflict, don't have to raise my voice, don't have to get angry about something, don't have to like pout about things, right? I don't have to do any of those things. You're just doing all the things that I asked you to do, right? I'm not alone in that, am I, right? You'd just be peace if everyone just did what I said. There would be no hostility, no conflict. But we need to have a good idea of what this biblical peace is all about. And there's three things, three things that this word peace encompasses when they use this word in the Bible. Removing of hostility? Absolutely. It removes hostility. But it goes deeper than that of the root of that hostility. Why do we have hostility with people? Yeah, they're not doing what I say. Yeah, I get that. But also because there's something lacking in me. Right? There's something like me. If you, I feel bad or I feel like I'm missing something or I'm not measuring up when I compare myself to someone else or uh, I look at what they've got and I don't, get to ha- I don't have those types of things or, you know what, why, are they, uh, why don't they, they like me? Why don't I like them? There's something at the root of that. And so it's not just about removing hostility, but at the root cause of it, there's something lacking. It restores wholeness. It restores wholeness. There's something lacking in me or a way that I am looking at this other person or the way that you're looking at them, and, and there's something that you need to see them differently, and it restores a wholeness in you so that there's no more of this hostility. But that's not the end of it. It only removes the hostility uh, because it addresses the issue of being restoring wholeness, but it also is about reconciling relationships with God and with other people. These relationships can be reconciled with God and with other people because we are being made whole and complete, and that removes hostility between us and them, either God or other people, okay? That's what, that's what, that's what peace is all about from the biblical context. Now, that's a lot to kind of take in, right? I can just tell you that, and then you're like, okay, but give me an example. And so I want to give you an example. I want to give you an example where the Prince of Peace is engaging with uh, some other people, and there's definitely hostility there, and he's going to invite uh, one of these people. He's a, he's a Pharisee. I'll tell you about that in a second. Uh, he's a Pharisee. He wants them to see another person differently. He invites them to see them differently, and actually ends up taking this and sending out somebody to be a person of peace because they are restored into wholeness. They have a right relationship with God and with other people, and the hostility can be removed, okay? There's a story all about that. Uh, It's from uh, Luke chapter 7, so you can go ahead and turn there now. If you've got the notes, you can pull that up. I just want to front load a little bit of information that's going to be helpful to understand this, and then uh, we're going to just read the story, and my hope is that after we read the story and we talk about it, that you go back and reread it. That you see it with new eyes and a new perspective, okay? 
because it's all about what the Prince of Peace is doing and how this Prince of Peace is drawing attention to how to have peace and then to be a person of peace, okay? So, uh, some characters in the story uh, that are really important. Uh, there's this guy named Simon. He's a Pharisee. And you may not know what that means. It's just kind of a strange biblical word, or maybe you just never heard it before. But a Pharisee is a, a very, uh, we would call them a very religious person, right? They're very strict in, in what they say they, they, they do and the way that they act and the way that they talk. And, um, uh, you know, they read their Bible and you got to follow it just, to, just the way that it is. It's very strict about it. There's certain things that you can do and can't do. Um, in fact, in this story, there's certain people you can touch and not touch. There's certain people that you can be associated with with and not be associated with, okay? And so um, we, I don't know if you, you've got someone in your life or you're, you kind of feel that way, but we, we kind of do this a little bit, right? We, we look at people and like, oh, I don't know. I don't really like them. They don't live the way that I would live. They make some really bad choices type of thing. And so we kind of compare people and we put ourselves in different boxes and different cliques or different groups. We just do this automatically. Yeah, these Pharisees were a group of very religious people, a very strict, and there was a definite line between who was in and who was out, and they got to decide that line, okay? They got to do that. Um, and then we learn that there's a certain immoral woman, <laughs> Right? Because if you're a, a, a Pharisee and you have these strict rules and things that you go by, anybody that doesn't live that way, they're immoral. They're an immoral person. Um, they would be called a sinner. Someone's completely missing the mark. Right? They're, they're a sinner. And they're immoral. And so this immoral woman, she shows up in the story uh, that in a time that would cause a lot of hostility. Okay? She comes to a, a, a dinner party that she was not invited to. And she would not have been invited to, right? This is a Pharisee's home, ultra-religious, and she's immoral, and she shows up. Problems, hostility, conflict, right? And Jesus is going to do something here. The Prince of Peace is going to show um, what peace looks like. This whole thing about removing hostility, restoring wholeness, and reconciling relationships with God and others, okay? So we're going to take a look at that. So uh, it's Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36, verse 36. I'm just going to read the story, okay? And then we'll talk about it. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard Jesus was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. She knelt down behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he 
kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, well, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, and she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Okay, we get the story. You hear the story, walk through the story. A lot of things going on here. Some things maybe we don't catch and we don't know what's going on, but we, we can see there's definitely going to be hostility there, right? There's questions about whether or not Jesus is a prophet or not, right? These Pharisees, the religious followers of their Bible, and they read it, and they're knowing that a prophet, what a prophet is and what a prophet does, and they're just like, who is this guy? If, he, if he's a prophet, like people are saying that he's a prophet, then he would certainly not be associating with this person. She's not only immoral, she's a, she's a sinner. You don't let her touch you. Right? He's got these questions, and Jesus is like, you know what? I'm going to invite you, Simon. I'm going to invite you into seeing her in a different way. Because right now, all you see her through is this list of do's and don'ts, this list of the way that you think life should go, the way that you think God has approved things to go. And, and you look through that, that lens, of that list of things, and she misses the mark all the way. And you know what? I'm not contesting that. In fact, yeah, does she have a lot of sins? She does. That's, we can see eye to eye on that. In fact, that's the whole point, Simon, that, that you're missing this whole thing. You're so focused on how she misses the mark. You're, you're so focused on how she doesn't line up with the things in your Bible, which she does. She, she does miss the mark, right? We get it. But do you see how something else has happened? She has come into this place that's going to be completely hostile to her, and yet she is not hostile towards anyone. She just shows love. How is it that she can show that love, Simon? Because she's been made complete. She's been made whole. The thing that she lacked was forgiveness. She needed to know that she is forgiven, and then she expresses her love for others. Even when she's surrounded by hostility, 
she doesn't show hostility. She shows love because she's been made complete. And then Jesus does what? Sends her to be a person of peace, doesn't she? Doesn't he? Right? She can go out and be this person of peace because she has a right relationship with God that could potentially have a right relationship with other people. She can bring that out into her life everywhere that she goes. I really think deep down, deep down inside of us, we want to be a person of peace. We, 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 we at the surface want peace, right? Peace and quiet, peace and no conflict, you know, peace and, and no hostility. We just, we want peace, peace and getting along. But deep down, we forget that we actually are the ones that are to be people of peace. That, that there's something inside of us that we can experience because of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, that we can experience that peace and then be people of peace. We can bring that, that word of the Christmas season, peace, into every season of our life, even in the midst of hostility. Because let's be honest, the world is still hostile. It's still conflictive. It's still setting up different boundaries and who's in and who's out. But yet we can, we're invited to see things differently, the way the Prince of Peace wants us to see them so that we can be these people of peace. So what does it look like to be a, a, a person of peace, right? How, how do we do that? How, how do we experience God's peace so that we can then go out and be a person of peace. Well, that's something that uh, the Jesus followers did. They, they, they thought about, they wanted to know, how do we do this? What does it look like in that, their context to be a person of peace, to be like Jesus, to be under the rule of the Prince of Peace, and to bring peace to other people? Well, there's a few different ways that we can do this. There's a few different ways uh, that I'm going to show you that remove hostility. Uh, there's, uh, there's a way that we can um, be made complete and whole. And there, there's also a way that we can have a reconciled relationship with God and extend that to others, okay? Uh, so here's some things that uh, this guy named Paul, he's an apostle. An apostle is just someone that goes out and he starts different churches and things like that. Uh, and he got his instruction right from Jesus, and then he wrote about it to these different churches, some of which he started, some of which he hadn't and wants to go and visit. And so the first thing, when we just think about peace, how can we help to remove hostility? Well, he writes to a church in Rome, um, church he didn't start, but is right in the middle of uh, uh, the government, right? This is the, the central location. And he writes to them in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, do all you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all you can to live in peace with everyone. So he's writing to a small group of people, a minority group of people, Right? They're not the ruling people of that day. Even with inside their religious stuff, is they're a small group of people. Okay? They're Jewish people. They're followers of Jesus uh, living in a Gentile world, a, a Roman world. And there's going to be plenty of hostility in that. And what does he do? He puts the responsibility on them to be people of peace, to remove the hostility, do all that 
you can to live in peace with everyone? What can you do? What is it that's your responsibility? I, it's not up to the other person. Yeah, you, they don't like you or you don't like them or they're conflictive or they just have a bad attitude or they don't live the way that you live. But you know what? Stop focusing on changing them. Hey, Simon, stop focusing on changing this woman to be like you. Stop focusing on what can you do, Simon, and what can you do? What is it that you can do to live at peace with everyone? The responsibility is on you, right? If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are are under the, the rulership of the Prince of Peace, it starts with you as a responsible person. It starts with me as a responsible per- person, right? Okay, so we can establish that. We can establish that. So what do I do about that? Right? How, how does this work? We got to get down to the root of it, right? If I, just, if I would be at peace if everyone would just do what I say, well, there's a root problem going on there, right? And it's not on you. It's on me. There's something deep down inside that I am incomplete, something that I'm lacking and I need to be made whole. And that's where uh, this Apostle Paul writes to this church in Philippi, the Philippians, and he writes to them from a prison cell, uh, actually. And so he's in prison and he writes to them and he gives them some instructions about what they need to do, even if they're in a hostile circumstance, how they can get deep down and address the incomplete thing. And he says this in uh, Philippians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Now, just stop there. Just, let's just look at that for a second. This is a process, right? This isn't something we just go and memorize. This is, this is actually something we're to do. If you really want to be a person of peace and, and live in peace with everyone, right? That's your responsibility. There's a process, there's, there's definitely things you're going to be worried about. Well, I don't know. I'm worried about this woman. She's sinful and immoral, and I'm really concerned that she's here disrupting my dinner party, right? This is Simon's world. I don't know. That, that person, I just I get this sick feeling in my stomach when I see them walking down the hall or knowing that I've got to go and sit for hours in a room with them and put on a smiley face to be around them at a at our family party, like it's just, it's hard it's to do that. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to pray about that thing. I'm going to go to God with that. I, I'm going to ask God, like, I, obviously there's something that I'm lacking. There's something that I need, God. Okay? I need something. I, I need your peace is what I need. I, I, I need your love. I, I need your forgiveness I need your spirit. I need your wisdom, right? What is it that you need that that will make you complete? And sometimes we don't really know. That's why we pray about it. We ask God, show me what it is that I need. What what am I missing here, right? It's not right that um, if everyone just did what I told them to, that I'd feel better. Well, that's not right, God. There's something wrong with that. What What do I need that's missing there? So what is it that you need? You, you ask God for what you need, and then you just, you're just thankful for what he's all done. Think about the mindset of thankfulness. Right? God, I am just really thankful that I can even c- 
come to you when I'm worried about something, that I can stop worrying about it and just talk with you about it. That we can pray and I can ask you for things that I need it because I know you're going to give them to me because I need them. It makes me complete. And here's the thing that Paul does. As he writes to them, he says that there's a promise with this. When you do this process, right, when you, when you stop and go like, I'm not going to worry about this, I'm going to pray about it. God, there's obviously something that I need. Help me to be complete. And thank you that I have this opportunity to be able to do that. Guess what happens? Then, the next verse, verse 7, then you will experience God's peace. You get to experience it. You get to have it. It addresses the root here that will help you then to remove the hostility. You experience God's peace, which is way beyond your and my understanding, right? But God's peace does something to us. It guards those emotions going on inside of us, and it guards our thoughts, right? It it protects that. There's just something about that. And when we have our heart guarded and our mind guarded, our our emotions and our thoughts guarded by God's very peace. You get to experience that peace and it guards your hearts as you live in the the Prince of Peace. Yes, the ruler of peace, Jesus Christ. You, You are living under the ruler of peace. Right? That's the promise. That's the hope. It really gets down there and gets deep. That's to bring about restoring wholeness. And there's a way that we can continue to be reconciled with one another. That's the other side of this peace thing. It's not just about removing hostility. It certainly is. It's definitely about restoring wholeness. Absolutely. But what about reconciling relationships? We have to remember we're in this together, Right? It might be my responsibility to do this work of restoring wholeness, right? That I need to seek that out. What am I lacking? But we need to be in good relationship with you because we're in good relationship with God. That brings us to uh, what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Make every effort, make every effort, everyone, every effort that you can make, make it. Make every effort to keep yourselves, this is as a group of people, yourselves united in the spirit, in God's very spirit, his very breath of life. Be united in that, in the spirit, and do what? You bind yourself together. The thing that keeps you together is what? His peace. Yeah. That, That we're working towards wholeness and being restored and moving the hostility that's there, right? We're, we're doing that because it's our responsibility. And then we're going to make every effort to stay united. And we focus on the things that are divided. Think about how Jesus did this in the story. All of these things he did in the story. Simon, I see that you're, there's hostility here between you and this woman, right? There's a big divide that's going on here. And I'm going to invite you in to seeing it in a new way. Right? I want to help you to remove hostility by, by looking at the deeper issue. You're missing the fact that she's made complete because she's forgiven of all of the sins that you're so focused on. Right? And now that she's in a right relationship with God, she could be in a right relationship with you. 
I'm going to send her out of here as a, as a person of peace. And we get the same opportunity. We get to be like this woman to go out and be a person of peace. And so here's what I invite you to do, is think about which one of these areas is the biggest area for you, right? Is it the hostility piece? Like, I just really need to remove this hostility. I need to really focus on everything that I can do to live in peace with other people. Is that you? Then the Romans chapter 12, verse 18, is one that you want to say to yourself all the time right? Be, be saying it over and over. Just, God, I just need to live in peace with everyone. Help me to live in peace with everyone. God, I, I want to do all that I can do to live in peace with everyone, right? That, that's your focus. This is the thing that you keep repeating to yourself. Or, or maybe for you, it, it's, it's something deeper. Like, you know that it's a, a, a problem because you don't have any peace within. You, you, you need to restore the wholeness there, that you, would, that you would pray that over and over again. You need to continue to remind yourself, you know what? I'm really worried about this. I need to stop worrying about it. I need to start praying about it. And God, I know that there's something that I need, and maybe I can address that. Maybe I know what I need. I need, I need to forgive or I need to, to love, or I need to see it from your perspective in your eyes. I need your wisdom. God, I need your spirit. Right? What is it that you need? And you, God, I, I'm really thankful that you will, you will give that to me. I'm thankful for what you have done, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Maybe that's the one that you need to focus on and, and repeat over and over and over to yourself as you live life to be restored to wholeness. Or, or maybe, you need to, maybe you need to stop and go like, you know, I need to make every effort that I am united with these other followers of Jesus. I, we don't see eye to eye on a, a lot of different issues, but you know what? We need to be united because we all have the same spirit breathing life into us. And I really, really want to be bound together with them in peace. Because that, that peace that we all are bound by in God's very spirit, boy, that, that, that's a peace that changes the world. It's a peace that this world really needs to see from us. And if we can't do that, man, there's just like no hope for anybody else. And you just want to continue to, to pray that over and over and say that to yourself over and over. That's what I invite you to do. Think about which one of these areas is, is the big area for you that you can take into every season of your life so that you can be a person of peace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so much that you are the Prince of Peace that you can show us what peace is all about and what it looks like. That you can help us to experience your peace so that we can be people of peace. That we can take this peace that we experience that we don't even really understand and we can help bring that out to all the people around us. Lord Jesus, we turn to you and we celebrate you in this Christmas season. Jesus, you truly are our Prince of Peace. Help us to be people of peace.